I just want to take a few moments to kind of wrap up a few thoughts that we launched into last week in talking about the church. You know, the church is, is the only organization that, that Jesus established in the earth. And I even don't, don't like to use the term organization because it's really more of an organism. It's alive. The church is not brick and mortar. The church is the body of Christ. It's you and me. And it's the only uh, organization or organism that Jesus established in the earth uh, and put a guarantee on it and said, this, this is going to work. Not even death itself will be able to stop the church of Jesus Christ. This is the church that Jesus came to live for, to bleed and die for at Calvary. He rose from the grave as we illustrated and celebrated in water baptism. Jesus rose from the grave for the church. And the Bible says because he rose, he's the first fruits of the resurrection. We're going to rise also. That's the hope of the church. It's in Jesus. And by the way, Jesus said, I'm going away to the Father. But if I go away, I will come again and receive you so that where I am there, you may be also. And do you know who the you is? It's the church. Jesus is coming back. For his church. I, lo- I love the church. One day the Bible paints a picture of what it will be like. And, and the, the picture that it describes is, is that of a wedding feast. And it says that the church is the bride of Christ. We're the bride of Jesus. And one day God's going to call the church home. And we're going to be able to be there and have fellowship with Jesus face to face. And we're going to get to sit down at what the Bible describes as the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're going to have a big feast around his table. We're going to all be there with God in that place. That church has uh, a global reach. It's the capital C church. We're all a part of it. But what we have here at 365 Orange Street is the local expression of the body of Christ. And as much as I love and every Christian has to love the capital C church. If, if you're calling yourself a Christian, you say, well, I don't like the church. You're going to be miserable in heaven. Okay, get over it. I don't know what they did to you or what they said to you, but get over it. Forgive them. They're human. They make mistakes. Fall in love with the church again because we're going to spend a lot of time together. There's a lot of people that they would say that I love Jesus I just, I, you know, church is not my thing. Church people, well, honestly, church people are not my thing either sometimes. How about you, right? We all know, we all know some of those folks. If you don't know those folks, that's you. You're those folks. Okay, let me just help you out today. We can all rub each other the wrong way sometimes. You know, ab- abrasiveness is good. That's how you polish things. The Bible says that as iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens his friend. And yeah, being a part of the church, sometimes we can, we can rub on each other. But, but even that, when you have an eternal perspective and you look at the work that God is doing, you have to love it. You have to realize that, you know, Jesus is working in my life. And, and I love this local expression of the church. And last week, uh, we went to the book of Acts chapter 2. And I just want to take a couple of minutes and go right back to the book of Acts chapter 2. If you have a Bible, you can turn there with me. If you want to borrow one, there's some in the pew racks. But I just want to look at a couple of verses of Scripture here in the story of the launch of the church. That's what Acts is. It's the story of the launch of the church. And if you're familiar with this book in the New Testament, 
you probably already know that most of the book of Acts follows the stories of the apostles Peter and Paul. Most of the story follows their journey, their preaching, their miracles. But in Acts chapter 2, we get a little short biography of the church. What was going on in the rest of the community. And I want to look at it. And I want to just emphasize a couple of things that were happening in that church. In Acts chapter 2 that ought to be happening in this church and in every church. Jesus only started one church. It was in Acts chapter 2. It was a spirit-filled, Holy Spirit-led church. And while we have all kinds of expressions of the local church, we still have to go back to the same text to figure out what is the church supposed to look like. And so we have a blueprint here in Acts chapter 2. And I want to just read a paragraph. You can follow along as I read it out loud. It's Acts chapter 2, and I'm going to begin in verse 42. The same verse that we began with last week. And here's what it says. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The Lord added to their number daily. Those, how many of you know Jesus is the one that's building the church? But there are some things that we can do, and that's what this paragraph is really all about. Now, last week, uh, I only got about half a sentence in on this thing, and it was the first verse that I read. Verse 42 says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. And if you're looking at the, the dashboard indicator lights of your relationship with God, like you would in your car, there are lights that come on to tell you that some things need to be serviced. And so we can look at this scriptural passage this morning, and we can allow the Holy Spirit to, to turn some lights on. Maybe there's some areas of your life that when I talk about them, you're going to go, man, this, praise God, amen, that's good, and, and I believe that, and I'm, I'm living that out. But there may be some areas of your life that you go, yeah, I'm not really doing that at all. And I do see it in there, and, and I hear the Holy Spirit trying to tell me, it's time to make some adjustments. It's time to, to do some maintenance. And so last week, we just looked at two things. First, it says they were devoted. And I think one of the spiritual uh, the evidences of spiritual growth in the church is that you're devoted, that you're, that you're faithful, that you're planted. Now, I know we got folks visiting here from other churches, and, and you'll be back at your church next week, and that's great. Everybody needs to find a local church somewhere, but we need to be devoted. We need to be faithful. We need to be consistent. Our relationship with God is not going to last very long at all if we allow it to be governed by our emotions. Every one of us, we wake up sometimes not feeling like going to church. Now, I didn't say every one of you. That was a confession. I said every one of us wake up sometimes and we don't feel like going to church. If I 
felt like going to church or if I felt like praying or if I felt like reading my Bible, my devotion to God would be far less consistent. But I've stopped long ago determining my pursuit of God based on my emotions. It's will. It's determination. David said it this way in the Psalms. He said, I will bless the Lord at all times. Not I will bless the Lord when they sing my favorite song. Not I will bless the Lord when I'm in a good mood or on Easter. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. So being devoted is an indication of spiritual growth. Another one that we talked about last week was was the teaching. It says they devoted themselves to the teaching and to the fellowship. So in other words, we're committed to God's word. That's so important that we're committed to God's word. Let me give you another one here today. And this is so important that I think is an indication of spiritual health and spiritual growth. And that is simply being committed to community. Being committed to community. Look at verse 42 there again. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Skip down to verse 44. Still talking about fellowship. It says all the believers were together and they had everything in common. Go down to verse 46 and it says every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Can I just say that the culture of a healthy church and the culture of a healthy Christian is one who is committed to Christian community. Now, everybody needs to have Christian community. Now, I I didn't say everyone needs to have Christian friends. There's a difference. Probably everyone here, whether you're a Christian or not, just by the fact that you're here, probably indicates that you have Christian friends. I know a lot of people who have Christian friends, but they don't have any Christian friendships. See, Christian community is not being in the same place with other people who have the same beliefs as you. Christian community is what happens when we have a relationship that actually is tethered to our relationship with God. See, like, for example, uh, Steve Malis was up here this week and he was working on our tech booth. He's done a phenomenal job of leading that project. And, and we had a little bit of Christian community. Now, he was up here to serve. And, and the Bible word, by the way, for this fellowship is koinonia. It means to, to have fellowship together, but it also means to contribute. And he was up here contributing. He was, you know, preparing that tonight after service. We're going to bring like a 12-foot desktop in here, and we're going to wrestle it up over that wall and set it in there after the service tonight. And we're one step closer to that project. But he didn't just come to do a job or to offer his services. We had the opportunity to talk about what God's doing in our lives. That's Christian community. That's totally different than what happened yesterday with me. Uh, I was installing a basketball goal on the side of my house, and and I needed a couple tools, and my neighbors on both sides are great neighbors, and so they let me borrow some tools. And so I worked with Steve a little bit this week, and I worked with my neighbors this week. But with my neighbors that that were helping me, there, there was no Christian community. It was just being neighborly. And a lot of Christians are just neighborly with other Christians. 
They don't ever actually talk about their relationship with God together. They don't ever, ever stop and say, man, can I pray for you? Is there something that, uh, uh, that's going on? You just don't, you don't seem yourself today. Christian community is where we, uh, we build one another up. We encourage one another in our faith. There's a difference in that. It's important that we have community together. I said this a few weeks ago, but I want to emphasize this this morning on this point. And it's, that, it's this. The greatest testimony of our church, or of any church, really. The greatest testimony of the church is not our music. It's not our humanitarian efforts. It's not our evangelistic outreaches. And it's not even our programs. The greatest testimony of the church is not even our preaching. The world, the Bible says will know that we are Christ's followers because we love one another. That's, that's what Jesus said in John 13, 35. They will know you're my disciples because you have love for one another. When we serve one another, when we care for one another. Can I just challenge you to look at the dashboard of your relationship with the Lord? I'm sure you love Jesus. I'm sure you like being at church. But is there any context outside of that three minute shake hands and be friendly on Sunday morning where you're pursuing relationship with other believers because it's a sign of spiritual growth. I I love being with the body of Christ. Even with the ones that that can kind of, you know, rub you wrong sometimes and and frustrate you. I want to be with the people of God. I have plenty of opportunity uh, to be with people that are not in the family of God. Now, not as much as I used to. I mean, you might not know this, but all my co-workers are saved. Might not be true for you. Right, Val? We're all? Okay, just checking. Because, you know, the altar's open today. Um, but you might be in a situation where it, makes, it takes more effort to pursue Christian community. I'm kind of insulated. You know, people that come to talk to me love Jesus, usually. It's either like Christian community or crisis. There's not really much in between. And so you have to pursue those relationships. Let me just tell you another one here quickly. Look at verse 43. It says, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Now, I'm not going to have you turn to it, but just a couple chapters later in Chapter 4, verse 33, here's what it says about that. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God's grace was so powerfully at work among them all. Now, the verse we read in chapter 2 says the people were in awe of what God was doing. Can I just tell you, I think a sign of spiritual health, of spiritual growth, in a word, is awe. Are you still amazed? I mean, we sang it earlier, you know, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. But is it still amazing? Five years later, 10 years later, 20 years later, does it still amaze you? Or have you kind of just, has it lost its luster? Is this kind of a a routine thing where you can come in and, man, you can see people step into the waters of baptism and it's just kind of another church service. Because if it is, there's an indicator light in your spiritual life that's going off like crazy right now. Because if we're healthy spiritually, we are aware of what God is doing. Now, maybe not always, but we look for We look for the awe and the majesty of God. Psalms 19 says the heavens are preaching to us right now. They declare the glory of God. 
But it's funny that, you know, we can, we can lose sight and perspective of what God is doing. Like, there, there are people, not in this room, I'm sure, but in other churches, there are people that are going to totally gauge whether or not God did anything in the service based on the preacher's sermon. And man, if he really or she really preached a great sermon, then yeah, man, God was speaking today. But what they miss, they, they miss the, the majesty of, of why we all worship together in spirit and in truth. One voice, one heart singing. That was awe-inspiring. That's not happening anywhere else. I can promise you, they're not down at the bar this morning, like holding hands and, and singing in unison. This is, this is the church. This is where this happens. But they miss those moments. You come thinking, well, if God's going to move, he's going to do it this way. And, he's gonna, and it's going to happen at this moment. And if people raise their hand and say, I want to follow Jesus, then God moved. If, if nobody answers the preacher's altar call, I guess, I guess it was an off week. And they missed the gifts of hospitality when they came through the door. God was using people. They missed those gifts of compassion that's happening in the nursery right now as, as ladies are taking care of children. They missed those gifts of generosity, the extravagance that, that was just poured out a few moments ago in the offering. I'm in all of those things. And as I look around and I see people encouraging one another and hugging people's necks and, and just telling them, you know, they're so glad to see them and they're praying for them. All of those things communicate the grace of God in its various forms. That's what 1 Peter 4.10 says. We've been given gifts to demonstrate the grace of God in its various forms. And God's God's grace is being poured out all through the church. But a lot of times we miss it. And we don't see the awe of what God is doing. Because we've become narrow. And we miss it. And I just want, I just want to encourage you today to just, again, to self-evaluate for a minute and say, am I, am I aware of what God's doing? Because we've probably all been in this place before. But you might be there today to where you kind of come in and, and you just, man, I... You know, I, I can't feel God. I mean, this message isn't really connecting with me. I didn't really know the words to those songs. Like, you know, I guess, I guess God's not just moving to... And, and we can allow ourselves... This is what the enemy wants to do. He wants to crop out all that God, God is doing so that you can just see one, one little thing. One little thing. And I just want to encourage you to, to, to zoom out. To zoom out. To look to your left and right and to see how God is working in hearts and in lives, and to be amazed. They were in awe of all that God was doing. And we ought to be that way. Can I just tell you this morning, God is doing, right now, right now, God is doing 10,000 things for you. And you might be aware of three of them. And if there's one thing that he's not doing, that's the only one you're aware of, right? Isn't that how it works? Isn't that how the enemy wants to crop the picture out to where we can go, well, God just hasn't answered that prayer yeah, but did you ask him if you could breathe today or did you just kind of just assume that would happen? I mean, you, you're a walking miracle right now. And yet, we, we get fixated on the one or two things that God is or isn't doing. And his majesty is undescribable. He's doing 10,000 things for you. We ought to be in awe of God each and every day. There's never a day of your life that goes by that you don't have a reason to be grateful and to be thankful. This morning, we've got some folks that are going to be coming in a few moments. And 
they're going to be recognized today as new members of this church. And we've talked a little bit about uh, what that looks like uh, at, in the church service. We've talked extensively with them. But what I want you to see, I don't want you to check out in this moment. I want you to, to see the awe of this moment. Because what they're saying in coming today to become a member, it, here's what it's not. They're not coming to uh, you know, sign uh, the books and get perks and privileges. That's not what church membership is all about. You know, I think I said last week, we don't have preferential parking for the members. You know, we don't send them a, a monthly members magazine or anything like that. That's not what church membership is about. It's not country club membership. It's the body of Christ. And so what it means to become a member of a local congregation is to say that I understand that God has planted me here. That if you're going to grow, you've got to be planted somewhere. And my heart is connected to this house. And I want to be planted here. And I want to be a part of what God's doing here. And really what membership is, it's an awareness and an acceptance of responsibility. It's not about perks and privileges. It's about responsibility. That we are the body of Christ. That he's called us to do things. And, and as we've spent the last three Sunday mornings during the Sunday school hour talking uh, with those that are going to be coming in a few moments. I just want to tell you, I am so excited about what they represent. These are more than just, uh, you know, names on a roll. These are people that God has gifted with unique gifts. The Bible says each and every believer at the point of salvation is given a gift by the Holy Spirit. So if you're saved, you have a gift. By the way, that gift is for the church to edify the saints. And so they have gifts and abilities. They have potential to do things for the kingdom of God, which means this church has the potential to do things for the kingdom of God that maybe we couldn't have done before God sent them here. But he did. And they recognized that. And God's working in their life. And they said, you know what? I, I want to I be a part of what God's doing here. And we want to celebrate that. And, I, and just before I have them come, I just, I just want to invite you, whether, whether this is your home church or whether you're a guest here today, I just want to invite you to just take a moment and let the Holy Spirit examine your life. The Bible says this. This is what the Holy Spirit does. David prayed this prayer. He said, search me, O God, and know my thoughts. Test me and see if there's any wicked way in me. And so I just want to invite you in this moment right now. If there's anything in your life that, that maybe you've been blinded to, to all that God is doing. And today, the one thing that he's doing that you're very aware of in this moment is he's calling you to himself the primary role of the of the holy spirit he draws hearts to god and he's drawing you or maybe you know you just haven't been uh haven't been devoted to god's house anywhere maybe you love god and and maybe you even read your bible and 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 all of those things but you just haven't been pursuing christian community you have christian friends you just don't have christian friendships and god's challenging in that area god wants you to be healthy spiritually because you are the church. And he wants his church to be strong. So I want to pray for you today. And before I have these new members come, I just want you to bow your head with me. All over this room, we're going to just take a moment to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts. Father God, I thank you that, that you've spoken so clearly through the lives of your church. And you're going to do it now in just a moment with these new members. God, I pray that something today has stirred in us a desire a desire to grow closer to you. Something today, I pray, has stirred in us a desire to grow closer to the family of God. 
Lord, if there's anything in our lives that is keeping us from drawing near to you, by your Holy Spirit right now, would you just point it out? Because your word says in 1 John 1, 9, if we will confess our sins, you are faithful and just, and you will forgive us of those sins, and you'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, we know that the only thing that separates us from you is sin. That's why you sent Jesus to die on the cross, to deal with sin. So God, if there's anything in our life, any sin that's keeping us from you, right now, by your Spirit, reveal it. If the Lord is talking to you right now, church, I just want to encourage you, in your own heart, in your own words, just begin to respond. Respond to God. Say, how do I do that? Confess to Him. Whatever it is, say, God, I, Lord, I, I turn from this sin. That's what the word repent means, to turn. Lord, I turn from this sin. I know it's going to be there when I leave here today, so I'm going to need your help. But, Lord, I turn from sin today. I pursue your heart. God, help me by your grace. Forgive me of that, Lord. Draw me close to you. I want to I wanna know you more, Lord. I want to be close to you. I want to be close to your family. So, Lord, today we're asking you. We're asking you to draw us by your Holy Spirit. Lord, help us as a family of God to, to embody this biography that we read about the New Testament church. You don't have a, a plan B or a 2.0 for the church. This is the church. This is what we're supposed to do. This is how we're supposed to function. God, help us. Help us to be selfless and Christ-centered. Help us to love one another. Help us to encourage one another, to pray for one another. Help us to build the body of Christ and to build the kingdom of God in the earth today. Lord, we need your help. We're flawed. There's no perfect churches. There's no perfect people. God, we need your help today. So speak to our hearts, Lord, as we see those, those things in our life that you're speaking to us about. God, as we leave this place today, let us leave with more purpose and determination to honor you in every area of our life. 